Hello, friends. Welcome to the Dead Poets Podcast. I'm your host, Grant, and this is our first episode together. It's a, really, a trial run, kind of, so to speak. Before we jump in, I'll give you a little bit about this podcast. Um, back in high school, probably around 2014, 2015 or so, I watched the Dead Poets Society for the first time. And you can, you can really say um, it kind of changed my life. Gave me a whole new perspective on literature that I did not have before. Um, it opened up a door to a world that I had a very limited perspective into. Before watching this movie with Rob Williams, Ethan Hawke, etc. Um, I, I really just strictly limited myself to reading um, history I guess, history books, history stories, and all that, which I still greatly appreciate, but um, that's really not all there is to it, you know, and I felt like I was really limiting myself to one thing. Um, This movie, Dead Poets Society, um, really taught me about um, seizing the day, kind of making your life extraordinary, Um, taught me that poems don't have to be drab and boring. They can be about literally anything that you want them to be. Writing can be about anything. So um, it really kind of opened my world um, up to this whole new literature perspective, I guess. So the goal for this podcast is to do for you what the movie did for me all those years ago. Um, Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll at some point, bring a fresh perspective of literature and writing into your life. You may not know exactly what you like in literature, and and that's okay. You may also not like literature at all, and maybe this will help you find something that you do like. So in this podcast, I'll be reading and somewhat explaining poems, short stories, and maybe even books down the road. Hopefully some may interest you. Um, I can't imagine that all of them will, um, but hopefully some of them will. I'm still going to be getting the hang of things, figuring out my mic, figuring out my settings and all that, so just bear with me as this is the pilot episode. For the first poem, I think it's only fair that I introduce to you um, a poem from my favorite author, J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, I'm sure only my friends are going to be listening to this podcast, so I'm sure that this is not a shock to any of you, actually. If you all had bet money, you would have definitely bet that Tolkien would be popping up here in this first podcast. This poem is really, I guess, a... um, song, but uh, it's called The Song of Durin. It's um, sung by Gimli as they go through Moria, but it's um, a poem, really, because it's it's written down in the book, and you'll, you'll kind of see. Um, in the poem, there's like a few names, places, etc. that might not make sense. Honestly, that is just part of Tolkien's immersion technique that he he really mastered he would name draw people and places and things we don't really know um, to give you the feeling that you're not getting all 
the information that's there. Then he went back, added a ton of like fictional history and notes and stuff in the appendices to really fatten up the story and give it a lot more depth. Um, anyways, here's the history of the poem. Then I'll give you the synopsis, and then I will dive into it. Um, Durin was a dwarven king. He's a subject of the poem. He was actually one of the first dwarves ever created. He was fashioned under the mountain and woke up after his creation under the mountain in the vicinity of these gorgeous mountain ranges, and he started looking for a place to live. He walked to a place, um, I guess really a lake, called Khaled Zeram, a.k.a. Miramir. Um, He saw the reflection. He looked in, saw his reflection. Um, It was nighttime. He saw this these stars in the night sky that reflected above his head in the water and made it look like a crown uh, that's mentioned in the poem. He began to build the magnificent intramountain kingdom called Kazagdum. It was inside the Misty Mountains. Um, he eventually died. He was buried in Kazagdum. And the dwarves after him had six more kings named Doran. So there were seven total. Um, they're the dwarves of Durin's kingdom. They really just kept mining, mining and building for thousands and thousands of years until they delved too deep, as Tolkien puts it, and they awoke a Balrog that had been there, hidden um, really in the heart of the mountain for, I mean, thousands of years. Um, he's like this evil monster, monstrous being, etc., um, Durin the sixth was slain by the Balrog. The dwarves, they, they fought as bravely as they could, but they ended up having to abandon their mountain city. And later it was renamed Moria, which is dwarvish for the black pit. And the Balrog lived there for like 500 more years alone until orcs moved in and really made it their home too. The poem is a song. It's really um, sung by Gimli as the fellowship treks through Moria in the pitch black. Um, in summary of the poem, Durin awakes in what they call the Elder Days, much before anyone else is around. He makes his way around, sees the crown of stars, starts building the kingdom we talked about um, with these other dwarves and newly born dwarves and etc., he becomes insanely rich and mighty. The kingdom becomes insanely rich and mighty. Um, and between like the fifth and the last stanza, the sixth, thousands of years pass. The Balrog is awoken. The kingdom falls and we're brought to present time, Gimli's present time, which is the bleakness that Gimli the dwarf is seeing and is saddened by. I guess he... He actually is the one singing or making this poem up as they they go along. And Sam, who's with him, likes it so much that he writes it down. That's why we have it. Anyways, so here's the poem. The world was young, the mountains green. No stain yet on the moon was seen. No words were laid on stream or stone when Durin woke and walked alone. He named the nameless hills and dells. He drank from yet untasted wells. He stooped and looked in Miramare. 
and saw a crown of stars appear as gems upon a silver thread above the shadow of his head. The world was fair, the mountains tall, in elder days before the fall of mighty kings in Norbothrond and Gondolin, who now beyond the western seas have passed away, the world was fair in Durin's day. A king he was on carven throne in many pillared halls of stone, with golden roof and silver floor and runes of power upon the door. The light of sun and star and moon and shining lamps of crystal, hewn undimmed by cloud or shade of night, there shone forever fair and bright. There hammer on anvil smote, the chisel clove and the graver wrote. Their forge was blade and bound was hilt and delver mined the mason built. There barrel, pearl, and opal pale, and metal wrought like fish's mail, buckler and corset, axe and sword, and shining spears were laid in hoard. Unwearied, then were Durin's folk. Beneath the mountains music woke, the harpers harped, the minstrel sang, and at the gates the trumpets rang. The world is gray, the mountains old, the forge's fires ashen cold no harp is rung no hammer falls the darkness dwells in durin's halls the shadow lies upon his tomb in moria in kazakadum but still the sunken stars appear in darkness and windless miramir there lies his crown in water deep till durin wakes again from sleep Well, what do you guys think about that? I really like the uh, the glimpses of the history that you get of the dwarves and Middle-earth in that poem. Um, it feels really, like, rich um, and coarse. I like the poem's uh, imagery. There's not many, like, ethereal-sounding words like we'd find in an elven poem that Tolkien would write about, I guess, you know, light and beauty and mysticism in, like, a very, like, soft way the dwarves beauty and and light um is really kind of shown through like their fire from their their forges and the the pounding of metal and like very like earthy mineral type words and vibes that you kind of get from it it's like a lot of strength and and building it's it's really cool um, so I guess I'm not exactly sure how to transition into new poems or topics yet. I guess I kind of can, I'll be able to figure out a segue at some point, but, um, here's a couple more poems. I guess they, there's four, it's a quartet. They all go together. Um, they're very short, so don't worry. It's not as long as the first one. Um, they're by T.S. Eliot. They are called the Preludes. Um, these four short poems really tie together and create imagery of the mundane, urban, like current life, I guess, that T.S. Eliot kind of could perceive other people living at the time. Um, it's really kind of like what we don't want to fall into. Um, interestingly enough, it really goes 
as a perfect precursor, prelude, to his most famous poem, The Wasteland. Uh, maybe I'll be able to read that someday. It's a rather long one, um, but it's it's good. I mean, it's his best one, most famous one for a reason. The poem quartet, quartet doesn't really need much explanation at all. Um, I kind of give you a little bit of a synopsis here. I guess the first one, um, you can kind of pick up really easily on all of this. It's the end of the day, really, like everything's kind of settling down. It's dinner time. People are kind of going around and you can see like some blinds are broken and stuff's broken and you're just kind of walking on the street and they're starting to light the lamps at the end of the day and you're heading home. Um, the second one is about waking up and the hustle and just starting another day. Um, kind of along with the, this, the third poem as well, excuse me, I almost said second poem, but the third poem as well. Um, it's kind of like getting out of bed, I guess you're kind of not feeling it, not feeling the vibes about getting out of bed. And the fourth one is kind of actually back at the end of another day. It's kind of like a full circle. It's like going to bed. It's like getting off work, going to bed, waking up in the morning, kind of getting out of bed. And then the last poem is going back, getting off work. So yeah, you'll kind of see the imagery and it's, um, it's really interesting. Um, to be honest, he wrote it between 1910, 1911, um, it was published in 1917. Um, it's, it's good. It's kind of a harsher imagery, more of like a grimy, um, imagery type of vibe. Like you'll just, you'll see what I'm talking about. So I'll just jump into it. All right. Preludes. One. The winter evening settles down with smell of steaks and passageways. Six o'clock. The burnt out end of smoky days. And now a gusty shower wraps the grimy scraps of withered leaves about your feet and newspapers from vacant lots. The showers beat on broken blinds and chimney pots. At the corner of the street, a lonely cab horse steams and stamps. And then, the lighting of the lamps. 2. The morning comes to consciousness. A faint, stale smell of beer from the sawdust trampled street with all its muddy feet that press to early coffee stands. With the other masquerades that time resumes, one thinks of all the hands that are raising dingy shades in a thousand furnished rooms. 3. You tossed a blanket from the bed. You lay upon your back and waited. You dozed and watched the night revealing the thousand sword images of which your soul was constituted. They flickered against the ceiling and when the world came back and the light crept up between the shutters and you heard the sparrows in the gutters, you had such a vision of the street as the street hardly understands. Sitting along the bed's edge, where you curled the papers from your hair, you clasped the yellow soles of feet in the palms of both soiled hands. 4. 
his soul stretched tight across the sky that faded behind a city block, or trampled by insistent feet at four and five and six o'clock, and short square fingers stuffing pipes and evening newspapers and eyes assured of certain certainties, the conscience of a blackened street, impatient to assume the world. I am moved by fancies that are curled around these images and cling, the notion of some infinitely gentle, infinitely suffering thing. Wipe your hands across your mouth and laugh. The worlds revolve like ancient women gathering fuel in vacant lots. And I guess with that, I will conclude the pilot recording of the Dead Poets podcast. If you enjoyed, be sure to add me to your library, if you would, and tell your friends about it. Um, I'm not sure that I what I will play in the future. I haven't actually mapped that out. I have a lot of poems. I have a lot of books about poems, so I might just kind of close my eyes and point, or I might actually have a plan and kind of map it out, and we'll see. Um, I'm also open to suggestions from poems or short stories or anything like that that you'd like for me to read or kind of um, delve into the history on. So uh, just let me know. I'd definitely be open to doing any of that stuff. So I guess with that, carpe diem, make your lives extraordinary.